Hi, welcome to BCI Couch Chat. I'm Brad White. Happy to have you with us today and happy to have a full room here in the studio today. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Bob. Hello. And Philip. Hello. We also have a special guest joining us today, Dr. Amelia Wolms, who's a professor at Mississippi State. Good morning, Amelia. Really pleased to be here, Brad. So we're happy to have Amelia with us, and, and we've worked with her for several years on different projects, and she has done a lot of great research on bovine respiratory disease. So we're going to be talking about that today, as well as how does that affect calves prior to weaning, and how do we build immunity? We're also going to be looking at one of kind of a pet project that Philip has had in the past is talking about bottle calves. How do we manage those bottle calves? So Philip, I'm going to put you on the spot as our expert on what do we do with those calves if we do end up having to raise them on the bottle. Before we get into that, guys, we're in the middle of March Madness. And I want to know, what's your favorite basketball movie? Bob, I'm going with you first. Oh, you know, I don't think there's as many basketball movies as there are football movies but i'll go with i'll go with space jam how's that the original or the newest one that came out because you know there's two no i did not know there are two so i'm gonna go with the original <laughs> okay i think that's the way to go philip you know i don't know hoosiers is probably my favorite i guess but you know i watched um i can't remember the name of the movie but it's the story about don haskins and utep <sighs> and i i watched glory, that's it glory road there you go that's i watched it th- a couple weeks ago amelia hey i'm a native hoosier so i gotta go with hoosiers <laughs> gotta go with hoosiers no, Glory Glory Road's my favorite. Yep. I do like Hoosiers as well, but then there was one that on on the TV the other day, uh, Coach Carter, I think it was, mm-hmm. talking about yeah. So that's that was a good one too. Yeah, remember the White Shadow TV show? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was really good. Yeah, it's that, before you. That's time, pretty. That's <laughs> pretty me. <laughs> <laughs> hey Bob, only only one person picked an animated movie as their favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Only partially animated. <laughs> okay. So so one of the topics that we wanted to discuss today, and glad to have Amelia here to go through, and we did some work several years ago where we looked at, and one of the questions that kept arising was calves that would get respiratory disease prior to weaning. And often a different, a little different presentation than what we would see in calves post weaning as far as the what the calf looked like, what they were doing. What, are, what were some of those differences, and what are those calves, what's typical for pre-weaning BRD? Well, uh, I would say that there are a couple of different patterns, and the cool thing about this is that uh, you folks at Kansas State did some research, then our group, uh, where I was at Georgia at the time, then at Mississippi State, and we came to some of the same conclusions. And what we see are sort of two different patterns, either BRD in the first month of life, or BRD at around three to four months of life. And that second group, uh, we expect that to be due to the fact that calves are losing their mother's antibodies, and we know they're going to be more at risk. And so those would be the kind of two classic patterns of BRD before weaning. And and a little bit different in that those older calves, it may be some of the better doing calves. Bob? So do you think, and this is, yeah, do you think that the calves that get pneumonia pretty soon after births, it's, it's because they didn't get enough colostrum, and then the ones that get BRD, you know, middle of the summer, it's because they got colostrum, but it's waning. Is, is that the two different populations or is there more to it than that? That's what we think. Although I would want to just mention that in that first month of life, there are other things that can happen to a calf that might make him breathe hard. Uh, it might be certain types of diarrhea, um, maybe other types of infections. And so when a producer sees a calf breathing hard, it's just important to remember that it may not be pneumonia, although it may respond the same if it's treated for pneumonia. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense too. Because the, the diarrhea... 
actually changes kind of their the blood pH, which makes them breathe hard. Absolutely. And so then it will look just like a pneumonia. Absolutely. And and I think later in life, some of those better doing calves, and Brian, I know as we talk about some of the pre-weaning BRD stuff, those calves we're going to treat very similarly to to some of our post-weaning BRD. Yeah, I mean, if we if we have a calf that met our our definition of of respiratory disease, and depending on what the farm is, that that may be slightly different, but it's you know usually some sort of you know, breathing hard, breathing faster. Uh, they may have a cough. They may have excess discharge. You know, they may be from their nose. There may be a temperature cutoff involved. But you know, when we see those signs, we think respiratory disease, even though. Early, it's typically not bacterial. As we go through the course of a pneumonia case, at some point, there will be bacterial involvement. And so antimicrobials are probably a good mainstay to therapy. Uh, if we get the calf that's really severely ill, when we first see it, you know, if it's a valuable calf, we might be looking at fluid therapy, something like that. But yeah, we're, we think that we at least think the, the physiology of what happens and what causes the pneumonia, probably similar. It's just early. Now, not every herd has pre-weaning BRD. What we found was about one in five herds will have pre-weaning BRD. And those that do could have up to 20% of their herd that was impacted. So what were some of the risk factors that you found for those herds, Amelia? You know, it was interesting because they were factors that were related to a herd really being more progressively managed. Herds that synchronized their cows and heifers to get them to come into heat in a short period of time and have a nice, reasonably narrow calving season, they were more likely to have calves with pre-weaning BRD. Herds that that synchronized, herds that did uh, intensive grazing, herds that did creep feeders, all of which are things which could congregate calves. And when that was combined with potential exposure to, uh, I'll say, outside cattle. So whether it was stalkers, feeders, grafting calves in, potential outside sources. And like you said, that may kind of align with the immunity as they as they go through the process. That's right. I think that uh, when calves are brought together in a group, whether they're brought together to be cut off from their mothers as their mothers go through the chute to be treated for their synchronization, or maybe they come together at a creep feeder, they're going to have a chance to pass the viruses among themselves that are out there, but just not at a very high concentration. So that's why those grouping events are likely to increase risk for pre-weaning BRD. Absolutely. And Dustin, we've talked about before marketing plans, marketing programs for these calves becomes much more challenging if I can't prevent the disease and I've actually got sick calves at the time of weaning if I go to market them. Yeah, anytime, I mean, if you're trying to wean your calves or sell your calves and they're all sick, I'm sure the buyer's probably not real uh, interested in paying paying a premium for those calves. Yeah, absolutely. And you've talked about some of the vaccines and we'll talk about that here in a minute on how to build immunity, but that may tie in too relative to how we sell those calves and what programs they qualify for. But I want to want to switch topic and, and fill up a couple of years ago, and your, your kids have done it, my kids have done it, but also sometimes you do you do it because you don't necessarily want to, and that's raising a bottle calf, right? So what, what are some of the things to think about when I've got, and let's say I've got a cow that didn't take her calf, and I end up having to raise it as a bottle calf. What are some of the first things you're thinking about there? Well, first thing I'm thinking about is nutrition and, and getting some milk into that calf and, and getting him going. And so thinking about what kind of milk replacer you're going to use, 
um, and those types of things. And so one of the things to, to pay attention to is the type of protein that's in the milk replacer. So there are milk replacers that are based on plant proteins like soybean meal, and there are milk replacers based on milk proteins or whey protein. And that whey protein is much more digestible in a young calf. Their, their gut has a much better ability to digest that whey protein than soybean meal protein. And so look for a milk replacer, especially in the first three weeks of life or so, that is whey protein-based. Whey is it's way big. more digestible. Exactly. Uh, I yes. see where you're there going. You go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good job. So, Amelia, what? And, and you have looked at some of this, too, and you have people that come in, clients that have bottle calves. What are some of your recommendations? Absolutely. Um, very important to mix that milk replacer up correctly. Uh, it may not seem like a little bit more or less water makes a difference, but if you don't get enough water into that milk replacer, you can have some real serious health problems. The other thing I've been starting to suggest to people is that they might consider getting a colostrum replacer and add a little bit of that to the milk replacer. Now, stick with me here for a minute. What I'm saying is that the calves will not absorb the colostrum like we normally think, but it will just coat the intestines and help decrease infection with bacteria that might cause diarrhea and other health problems. And it's been shown that as little as if you give the milk replacer with 10% colostrum added, that can make a real difference in health. And one producer told me once that what they did was that they'd pour their colostrum or colostrum replacer in an ice cube tray, put it in the freezer, and then just break a couple cubes off and drop that in their milk replacer. And that's a way to help protect your bottle calf who might be at increased risk of diarrhea and other health problems. That's a great idea. How long do you feed that? You know what? If you can afford it or if you can get the colostrum or colostrum replacer, I would think for the first two to four weeks of age would be all right because that first month of life we know is when those calves are at particular risk for diarrhea. And those diarrhea agents, if they can't attach to the intestine, they can't cause diarrhea. And if you've got a lot of antibodies in the intestine binding to them, then they won't be able to attach and cause diarrhea. Since we're talking about diarrhea, Brad, the other thing... I, I, I enjoy talking about yeah, diarrhea. Yeah, I know. The other thing that I always talk to, and because bottle calves aren't typically... It's not routine for a lot of people. And so one of the things I always kind of talk to clients about is managing the cleanliness of the the preparation the bottles you know if you're not if this isn't something you're doing treat this like food right so um you know it wouldn't be uncommon to see you know a bottle that somebody left a little bit of milk in and you would be surprised how fast bacteria can reproduce in a little bit of milk sitting at the little bit of a bottle and if you just put the next feeding right on top of it you're feeding that calf bacteria so i i really stress for people about the cleanliness of the preparation of the milk or milk replacer or colostrum and also the equipment that they're feeding with so things like the spoon the whisk whatever you start with and the bottle itself make sure that you keep those really clean hot water um, even a little bit of dilute bleach water and then go back at it again yeah and don't forget the nipple because that uh, oh absolutely easy to not get as clean and the and the thing is is if you have multiple bottle calves at once multiply what I just said by two or three. You need to be so transmitting from calf to calf. So, yep. Okay. This is my question because I've had to do raising a bottle calf. And my first question is how soon can I stop feeding milk? How soon can I transition them to uh, grain safely? Uh, Philip? Well, so probably, you know, earliest as far as age goes is probably about six weeks or so. But I want to get some starter feed in front of those calves much earlier than that. Um, Probably start putting it out there at about two weeks of age. Um, Just put a little handful out there, put it in a place where they're going to find it. You know, one thing I've found is that those calves will eat that starter feed off of a raised pan 
that's up there about the height of the the bottle or whatever you're feeding they don't if you put it in a pan on the ground they tend to step on it and walk on it and don't even pay attention to it and so they eat it better if you got it raised up off the ground and i particularly like a textured feed meaning not pelleted so that the it's got more texture it's got texture to it it's got flavor to it. it's got molasses on it and that textured feed adds scratch to the rumen and so that starts to develop that rumen um, and so they'll start eating some of that before they even start to eat some hay and put a little long stem hay out there as well. But then as far as weaning, really the best way to wean them is not based on age, but based on starter intake. And so you'd like to have that calf eating one to two pounds a day of starter before you take the milk away. Yeah, absolutely. And you said you're going to kind of stage that. So when was the first time you want to expose them? I said about two weeks of age okay. is when I would start to expose them to to starter and then you said earlier the earliest we could wean them is six weeks but a lot of times that's probably closer to 60 to 80 days yeah yeah you would push it probably longer than that but calves less than six weeks from the research i've seen they can't increase their starter intake they just don't have the capacity to do that and so when you take milk away less than six weeks of age you're you're really limiting the nutrition of that calf yeah because that that nursing is actually changing their gut and how their gut works and and then through that period, you, you can't transition it much sooner. But I want to talk about the amount. So how much, and let, let's back up to, let's say it's a, a three-day-old calf. We've got them started. They're doing great. How much should I be feeding them? Is it the standard, is there a standard amount I should be feeding them? As far as milk replacers, is that what yeah, you're talking about? milk replacers, sorry, yeah. Um, so some some recommendations in the from the dairy industry, about 10 to 20% of birth weight. Um, and I, they may not be eating that much at three days, but that's kind of my target to work them up to and then decrease from there. Or And, and if you get them worked up, if you go up to like 20% of birth weight, you probably want to step them down as far as weaning them and not just take it all away at once. Yeah, and I think step down as far as weaning, regardless of how much you're feeding, probably makes sense. But you're saying 20% of body weight, so... T- two quarts twice a day do i need to get more than that uh i well with ours i push them up more than that you start with two quarts twice a day and then i work them up to four quarts and then start to bring them down amelia what are are your yeah that would be what i would have thought too exactly what philip said i was wanting to ask philip about hay you know he mentioned putting a little long stem hay in front of the calves but i think some producers don't understand that at a certain age they can't get much good out of hay as a feed is that right, Philip? Yeah. So their rumen is sterile when they're born. There's no bacteria in there. And so they have to create that population. And that comes from the environment. It comes from usually sometimes if a calf is with their dam, it, some of that's coming from the dam. And then it's just coming from feed and stuff that they're eating in general. And so they don't have the population to digest that forage very well at an early age, but they will still nibble and eat on it. And that long stem stuff in the rumen scratches the wall of the rumen and starts to develop those rumen papillae and the absorptive capacity in the rumen. And so we still want to get some long stem hay into them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that starts to help the process. And as you get closer to that weaning, because as Bob said, you want to you want to get them weaned. But what we've talked about is getting them started on milk replacer kind of building that up over time and then being able to decrease it down which is challenging because that's the hard part right labor wise and expense wise is getting them going but if you've got a bottle calf keep a close eye on them because the two diseases that we do see commonly are we talked about respiratory disease earlier 
but also scours. And a lot of times the scours is one of the big ones in those calves. So maintaining that biosecurity, which is what Brian talked about, keeping that, keeping that bottle clean. Now I wanna, I wanna go back to, and one of the other areas, Amelia, that you've done a lot of work on is looking at building immunity. And as, as we get into that, I asked Dustin earlier, kind of marketing programs. And, and Dustin, do you know off the top relative to vaccine use and some of those cattle that are weaned, how often do we see that in weaned cattle when they go into those marketing programs? Are you talking about like a premium? Yep. Yeah, there's been some work done, not a lot, but you know, I think what, two, two to $3 for if, if they are, you know, they got the vaccines and whatnot, like the, the various programs. So, so there's a potential economic incentive, but the economic incentive is driven by how well that vaccine works. So Amelia, I'd ask you, what are some of the key things? Because post-weaning, BRD, respiratory disease, is our number one disease concern. So what do we do to prepare those calves through their life to get them ready to prevent BRD? Well, there are two ways that you can use vaccines uh, in calves. You can try to vaccinate the mother late in her pregnancy to increase the amount of specific antibodies in her colostrum. And uh, that uh, can be done usually most safely with an inactivated or killed vaccine when the cows are about two months from calving. And that'll really, that has been shown to drive up the antibodies and help calves, but that's only going to help as long as they've got colostral antibodies. So the first three to four months of life at the most. Then the, we know the mother's antibodies are going to be gone, so we got to vaccinate the calves themselves. And we've got a lot of good data in, in veterinary medicine showing that calves vaccinated at two to three months of life can have a beneficial effect against that vaccination. And then you want to give them a booster sometime between that dose and weaning. And if you get two doses into them before weaning, that can be helpful to decrease a lot of BRD in the post-weaning period. All right, so to be devil's advocate here, you're talking about gathering calves and vaccinating them twice in a, in a spring-born herd right in the middle of summer. Absolutely. It's not convenient. Maybe you can talk me into it once. How much do I get half the benefit from once or none? Or what are, are you going to say, I, I really need to do it twice or not at all? Yeah, no, no. I understand completely. And I guess I want to make sure we separate. If we're talking about pneumonia before weaning, which we talked about a little mm -hmm. bit before earlier, uh, we've worked with some herds that seem to only be able to get a handle on that when they did two doses before weaning. But I often say I would never recommend that unless somebody was having a problem. So I think if we're focused on the BRD after weaning, we've got some evidence that vaccination once before weaning and then, and once, then once at the time of weaning. And that's something people ask about a lot, too. Is it okay to vaccinate at weaning? I thought that was stressful. We shouldn't vaccinate when they're stressed. As long as they don't have too many stresses at the same time, vaccination at weaning can be okay. If you're going to sort of background cattle on your property for a couple of months before you sell them, vaccinating them at weaning, I think, is not going to be, shouldn't be a problem. So I don't know if that answers your question, Bob. I hope so. Yeah. And maybe I've got one more question because... When I was in veterinary school, they taught us that really young calves didn't respond to vaccine very well, and that really we should wait until they're about two months of age, which is about the earliest that they could really respond well. And then I had children, and they received vaccinations their first day of life. So are the veterinarians right, or are the MDs right? So it's interesting. We do have data showing that calves can respond to vaccination when they have maternal antibodies, that's one key factor. If they have maternal antibodies, they can, uh, those maternal antibodies can sometimes block vaccination. But we've got data showing that in the first week of life, calves can respond to vaccination in ways that are protective a few in the next few weeks. 
but that immunity doesn't seem to last very long, so they need to have a booster. So in situations where producers are vaccinating in the first week of life, we do have some evidence of benefit, but that probably wears off in two or three months, and so those calves are going to need a booster at about two or three months. Okay. And that kind of ties into my question, I guess, and as a follow-up to Bob. So, so we get the logistical challenges of trying to get two vaccines, and you said ideally we'd go the first vaccine at two to three months, and then the second one a little closer to weaning or at weaning. So if I'm only going to do one, you know, is there a more, is two to three months too early? Should I move it back a little bit? Or should I wait all the way till weaning? If I, if I have to pick one, what's the, what do you think is the best time to give that one vaccine? I think it depends on when you're seeing the most respiratory disease. Okay. And I do think that really for vaccines to be helpful, you need to get two doses into the animals. So you need to get two doses before you're seeing the respiratory disease. I usually tell people, try to get the second dose in a month before you expect to see respiratory disease. Believe it or not, on farms where they're having a lot of pre-wing pneumonia at three to four months of age, there are producers that would actually give an intranasal at one month of age to beef calves and an injectable at two months of age, and they felt that really helped. Again, I would not recommend that for anybody that wasn't having a big pre-weaning pneumonia problem. So let's say you're expecting pneumonia in the month post-weaning. I would say that you want to try to get two doses in, and ideally you would get that second dose in, you know, in the few weeks right before weaning. Again, I recognize that's not easy. So uh, I think you have to try what you can do and see if it helps. If things are going great, don't change. That's the other thing. But if you're having a problem with agents that we have vaccines for, then I would try to get two doses into calves before you expect the respiratory disease to occur. Absolutely. And I think to follow up on one of Bob's questions, and you talked about, we've talked about it for a long time, vaccinating young calves, it's not going to do any good because they might have maternal blockade or that colostrum. You talked about maternal antibodies, which is that immunity that's passed on. That colostrum may kind of block that vaccine. Well, subsequently, and some of the really cool stuff you've done, you actually look at immunity a little bit different. And we've learned some new ways to look at it and say, no, 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 they actually are responding to this vaccine. We just can't measure it by measuring those antibodies in the bloodstream. So I think that's been one of the cool advances that we've really learned about, and that immunity can last forward. So your vaccine program, and what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, your vaccine program should be adjusted based on when am I worried about that disease coming? Prior exactly. to weaning, after weaning, when does it occur during? Exactly. And, and, I'm, and I think with the timing, I've got another question for you, Amelia. So is it the two, we stress the two dose vaccines, right? And are we doing the two doses because they, when we give the second one, like the first response is a little bit and then the second response is a lot more, or is the second dose really about trying to get those calves that didn't really respond to those? So we're, we're trying to catch everybody or more of the population with the second dose, or is it actually an increased immune response? It's both. Okay. That's an excellent question. And I think that's why it's so important. When you look at data on populations of calves, there's a wide range of antibodies. And two doses, definitely, you get a much stronger response to the second dose. But there is something that happens even after the first dose. So it's exactly what you said, Brian. I couldn't say it better. Yeah, because we know there, you know, especially when we vaccinate earlier and we're worried about that interference with the maternal antibodies, we know there's probably a group of calves that aren't responding well because they have that strong maternal antibody response. So I think that second dose, that's the way I've always said is the second dose is not just about a stronger response, but it's getting the calves that, that still had that and the vaccine interference early. Work out a plan. Yep. Have a plan for what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. Cause as you mentioned, Bob, some of those things early pre-weaning 
it's hard to get that done logistically, but it may be worth it in some herds. And that's what we saw back to our pre-weaning research. One out of five herds had issues with it. And in those herds, probably worth it to go to that effort because that pre-weaning BRD can be really challenging in those situations. Uh, but work on a vaccine plan. The other nice thing about having a consistent year-to-year plan is you can edit and modify if you've been consistent with it so you know what you're changing. So we really appreciate, Amelia, appreciate you joining us today, spending a little time with us. And as always, if you have questions, comments, things you'd like us to talk about, send us an email at bci at ksu.edu.